You know, last September 2022, they released the first helpful content update. And we've had several more since then, including a big one last month, a year later, September 2023. And all of that is focused on the quality of the content. We touched on it, I believe, in a previous podcast, but it's different as well, because unlike a core update or other algorithm update, it's a site-wide update. So if it determines, if Google determines there's a lot of content on your site that's not valuable, rather than penalizing those pages, the whole site gets penalized as a whole. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, guys. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I don't care. Good, bad. I even don't know I'm good or bad. Sometimes I'm bad, sometimes I'm good. It's better to ask my wife. But I love learning something new. I'm a student on this life, and today we are going to discuss more about quality content, how to create high quality content. We are going to touch more about EEAG, it's very important on Google, experience, expert authority, trust, and I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Taylor Kurtz. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. Oh, big pleasure. I love to learn from you. I know you're active to publish on search engine land, on social media. I like your lesson that you uh, did for my course. Uh, Taylor, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our new listeners to learn more about you. Sure. So as you mentioned, my name is Taylor Kurtz. I own a company called Crush the Rankings, which is what we aim to do. And uh, yeah, our, our sole focus is search engine optimization. We don't do social media or any of that. We do do web development to kind of complement the SEO efforts. And uh, beyond that, if you want to get in touch with me, as you mentioned, I like to every day stay up on the latest news, talk about it on social media, all that. You can find me on LinkedIn, again, Taylor Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. Or you can find me on Twitter at the re- or at uh, Real, R-E-A-L, Real Taylor Kurtz, unfortunately at Taylor Kurtz was taken and never posted. So I had to go with the real Taylor Kurtz. But uh, yeah, definitely happy to stay in touch. I'm trying to stay on top of everything. A lot's been going on these last uh, few months. So uh, lots to dig into. Yeah, awesome. Love it, love it. Uh, Taylor, you mentioned that you don't touch social media and focus on ASIO. I love focusing. I think it's hard to get results without focus because uh, marketers all often become jack of all trades, trying to do almost everything, paid marketing, yes, organic reach. But the last time I started to pay attention to social media, at least um, I am asking my clients to do it because uh, of EEAT, uh, most customers, I don't remember exactly the number, like 75% probably usually check social media. So if they want to buy, they can open social media accounts because of searching for discounts, because of uh, checking brands, many different points. So that is why I usually ask my clients to be active on social media. Uh, It can impact to ACO, it's like indirect factor, but uh, impact is phenomenal. So can you tell uh, how you decide this issue? I mean, like how you can help your customers if you pay attention to ACO, to be active on social media to improve this trust. Absolutely. So there's, I'm not, 
I mean, I don't like social media from the standpoint of I think that the world is a like there's so much argument and division on social media. So for that reason, I don't like it. But from a business perspective, I'm not against social media. I think that it is very effective, especially when building that brand recognition, connecting with your customers and, and potential customers. So I think it's very, very valuable, especially if done right. Uh, for me personally. When I first opened my company, you know, I would do social media. I would write content. I'd do whatever it took to kind of get my foot in the door.、Uh, but as time went on, I really kind of like you said, a lot of people wear a lot of different hats and are jacks of all trade. And、um, there's lots of great digital marketers out there, many, many of them. But my my philosophy was I wanted to be a master of one versus a master of none. So like similar to if I'm a lawyer. I know a lot about a different law, but I want to be the best at this kind of law. And it was kind of that same approach where I just felt、uh, I could carve out more of a space for myself, and, and instead of trying to learn little bits about all these different things, I could try to become, you know, very, very well informed and familiar with and, and specialized in this one particular thing.、Uh, so that was really my my focus was instead of being a great digital marketer, I wanted to be. The best SEO. Oh yeah, love it, love it. And、uh, I'm not sure it's possible to be a great digital marketer. You can be great, like SEO, great social media expert, great. I don't know、uh, online events specialist. So yeah, but、uh, great digital marketer. I- I'm not sure. Pro- possible company can do a big company that can have right experts. Yeah, company can. Be great digital marketing, but if we speak about、uh, small teams, departments, yeah, it's better to pay attention to specific niche. I, I wanna ask about the future. You know, I usually ask this question in the end of my podcast, but right now I wanna ask、uh, now because uh, uh, SEO is related to blog content, and most traffic are coming to blogs.、Uh, plus fifty six percent. Are coming to blog content, but today Google is、uh, stealing our clicks because of feature snippets, <laughs> you know, paid marketing. It's not like many years ago when you have the first position, you can get like forty、uh, percent or thirty percent of clicks.、Um, we have ChatGPT that can steal our content without linking to us. You know, at least Google can. Link <laughs> to、uh, webmasters, but、uh, ChatGPT doesn't.、Um, and uh, uh, I'm not sure about the future because uh, uh, Google is going to launch this、uh, search generative experience,、uh, and I don't know what kind of blog content we can rank if、uh, chatbots are growing, developing. And I love this format personally.、Uh, I Ask a lot of questions on ChatGPT instead of Google, because on Google I can use keywords, but on ChatGPT I can ask long questions and get my answers faster, much faster than on Google. So, what do you think? What kind of future will be in blog content? That's a good question,、uh, and, and it's kind of like I could see it going one of two ways. So, for instance, as you mentioned, let's just say you wrote a great blog article. And all of a sudden, you know, Google releases SGE, the search generative experience. And when you put something in, instead of kind of showing the typical search results, which now get pushed down, Google gives you what it thinks is the answer. 
if it gets some of the information for that answer from our blog content, I'm hopeful and it seems the direction they're going is Google would kind of have a, a work cited or a, a citation saying, you know, we've pulled this information from there. You can highlight it and go to our full blog. In which case I would think that that could potentially benefit us. I mean, if we're in general trying to build our authority and trust within Google and Google's pulling from us as, a, as an answer, we may, we will certainly see the click through rate and the clicks to those blogs most likely go down. Uh, for me personally, a lot of my blogs are to capture people in the research phase and kind of build our expertise. So if someone's asking a question about a topic, any question about that topic, I want to show up. Although that's typically, like I mentioned, in the research phase, not necessarily the conversion phase. Um, so I'm not sure it would necessarily hurt too bad conversions, but at the same time, they do have the option now, uh, and I know a lot of like Wall Street Journal, a lot of major news publications are going this direction, where they're blocking those crawlers from their website so they cannot take your information. Um, which, like I said, so if in the prior example it cites to you, the good news is Google's trusting you and showing you. The bad news is people are probably not going to ever click to the blog because it pulled the answer right there. Whereas if I block these AI crawlers, the good news is they're not going to take any of my content or use any of my information. Um, the bad news is at the same time, whoever's searching it could very easily get their answer at the top. And even if you're still ranked number one, not get down to those search results. So how they roll it out and kind of what features and like I said, references or citations, how those are implemented, I think will form uh, or shape kind of the, the strategy or approach we take. I. I think for some, it really depends on your, you know, your business and your market and your audience. For some, I think that it would be wise to block AI bots. Uh, for others, you might see some benefits. So it's just kind of a wait and see approach, I guess, until we see what the final product looks like. A lot of it, though, I will say is, um, you may have heard of a gentleman who's big in the SEO community, very, very, very good SEO, uh, Glenn Gabe, and Glenn Gabe. What I thought was very interesting is he was using the beta for a search generative experience and kind of that. And he also was using Bing chat and he went to go visit his daughter who was college age and her friends. And when he showed it to them, their first response was, this is stupid. And they went straight to the normal Google results. So I think a lot of the concern as well about how much traffic will we lose about Google taking what we have and serving it as their own. A lot of that is under the assumption user behavior will change and we'll all gravitate towards this new thing. Whereas, you know, a lot of us have decades under our belt of searching for things one kind of way, essentially. And obviously that's evolved as, you know, the maps, the featured snippets, the product carousel, these different uh, search features have been added, but the search experiences remain mostly the same. Uh, so I think also there'll be a huge potential uh, need for user behavior to change in order for us to really feel the, the impact that people are concerned about. So I think it's, uh, for me personally, it's still just focusing on best practices and uh, on a case by case basis, I guess, when it comes out saying, if it's something that would serve you best to be excluded from or have your have those bots crawl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's better to focus on best practices or strong side. And uh, uh, for example, big publications like Forbes, uh, New York Times, uh, all 
these big companies existed before digital they exist today and uh, of course they can get traffic from google but most traffic are coming from their loyal audience so and people open forbes because they want to consume this content uh, if forbes will block uh, crawlers probably yeah they can lose some traffic but uh it's better to pay attention to create this brand awareness now to get and because you know uh we can block ai uh like uh ai bots uh, uh elon musk did he blocked open ai for twitter um but um, uh, google has bart so that means we need to block bart as well uh this ai tool uh but uh, that means you can you need to block google <laughs> you know you can't show your content on google that still give traffic i don't know what kind of future will be but um anyway we can adapt whatever happens we need and part of that i also want to say is i think it depends big time on your industry so for instance if you're a business that sells essentially information such as cookbooks or things of that nature you could definitely see a hit because now all of a sudden you know the information you're trying to sell as a product could potentially be available right there if you're a a, a patient if you're a client like let's say you're a dentist i don't you know you maybe you get a lot of traffic to one blog about what is the process or the prep for a root canal that's all well and good but that doesn't necessarily mean that all those people going to that blog are ever going to be your patient or even in your area so i think if you provide a service you may see your traffic go down but i don't think that ai would have a way of really impacting conversions as far as appointments and things like yeah, that cuz at the end of the day you know uh, ai cannot be your attorney ai cannot give you a root canal or perform a surgery or you know n- whatever service you provide there's hundreds and thousands of them but i think when when you when you try and generate traffic in that research or informative phase that's where you could definitely see a dip yeah yeah um i think ai can replace some part of content marketing uh info content but of course uh today ai is not ready to replace uh human beings uh to provide these services or to sell products i don't know probably we will see uh, some plumbers terminators you know in the future who will <laughs> come to uh, to fix something <laughs> yeah, i don't know today it's not <laughs> yeah taylor let's talk about creating high quality content considering that we have ai i cooperate with great offers who can post on forbes bloomberg uh, we use press releases in our main strategy we get great mentions and all of them without any exception use ai all of them uh but uh, forbes still publish their content that means it's quality if forbes can publish if cnn can publish that means uh, they can create high quality content by using ai can you tell your experience how to do it i mean how to create high quality content with ai Yeah, sure. Uh I think that if you look at ChatGPT for instance as kind of a co-writer, like instead of all of a sudden you had one individual who wrote all the content, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, if you look at now ChatGPT is almost the writer and now you've stepped more into an editor role. And so an example would be, you know, let's just say there's an attorney 
And, you know, here in the United States, you have to be licensed in each state you want to practice. So we'll just say New York. So you're an attorney in New York and you want to write an article on this. You can easily put in the prompt. So like for me, with when I write articles, I often will do research, like what questions do I want to answer and make sure what what are other articles that are ranking well covering and making sure I cover that and if possible, more thoroughly. And ChatGPT, especially like if you have a question that you want to be, you know, you have an FAQ section or just something you want to dig deeper into, I can plug that into ChatGPT. So taking the lawyer example, I may ask them a legal question. And now instead of writing all these paragraphs, it's my job to make sure, A, it's accurate. And then I want to add more of that expertise. So I want to go and find the laws and the statutes pertaining to this and add that in. I want to find example cases and add that in. So I think that uh, ChatGPT for content, ha to me, is much more of a complement than a competitor. Uh, so I personally think that it takes away a lot of the fluff writing, you know, the wording components, that kind of stuff, and allows you to really focus on, instead of just making sure you're writing the content well, allows you to focus on adding that expertise and that authority. and. Uh, that, that to me has been a, a very nice positive associated with ChatGPT and, and those types of bots. Mm -hmm. What do you think about uh, common thinking that AI is replacing human beings? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because I can't uh, agree with someone who can tell it's not because we can see the tendency today companies are firing uh, marketers, copywriters, and I did in my company. The main reason because I can get high results with ChatGPT. Why I need to waste like plus 10K uh, if ChatGPT can provide this job much better. Uh, but I advise anyone who lost their jobs to learn about AI to become prompt experts. For example, if you ask me to write great content about accounting, I can't. About weight loss, I can't even by using AI. I tried, I tried, but <laughs> I'm not sure it's quality. <laughs> so, but if you ask me to do it about SEO, I can because I do it every single day. <laughs> now I can right. learn about SEO. I think it's important to know the topic, uh, to have experience, and uh, plus more. I mean, like um, you need to know how to write. Uh, because uh, great writers can beat in one side great writers by using AI. Uh, but if uh, we speak about mediocre writers, you can use AI, but you can't beat great writers, even if they don't use. So it's important to have this experience. What do you think about replacing and your advice for someone who lost their jobs? Yeah, I was, I mean, we, a lot of people think that robots or AI will eventually, you know, put a good amount of people out of work, which is very possible. And I would think that in, the first wave of people that are feeling that are kind of like you said, the content writers, things like that. Um, I think, did we freeze or no? Hopefully you can still hear me. You're frozen on my side, but I, uh, it's hard. Like, I think a lot of it is again, tr trying to use that as an ally and an asset, a compliment rather than a foe. So, kind of like you said to me your your job kind of shifts from writing about things to knowing what needs to be written about 
and a lot of competitor research. Like if we're trying to rank for a certain term, I want to know who, what pages are ranking for that. And that will kind of help lead my prompts. What sections do they have? Is there anything in that section that I could potentially dig deeper into and add more value? Um, but as far as like advice for people that lost their jobs uh, as content writers, I guess I would kind of say, look at it as a way where you can now produce high quality content at a much greater volume and not necessarily compromise the content all that proofreading all that you know which word which preposition should i use here kind of what makes the writer so uh needed because anyone can talk about something but to actually put it on paper and make it informative and digestible is, is where the content writer is really skilled so i think it doesn't really help if you've already lost your job unless you're trying to like go out on your own or something, but allow chat GPT to do kind of that heavy lifting for you and allow you to focus more on the specialized components and adding that expertise, like I said. Um, but the change is inevitable. Companies, if they can do something for cheaper, will. So I guess it's kind of my best advice is vague as it is, is try to use it as a tool and adapt to working with it versus working against it. Kind of, as you mentioned, you know, once you get more familiar with it and you understand how it reacts to prompts, you could become like not an expert at, at working with ChatGBT, but much more efficient, know kind of what gets the, the results that you want uh, just by being more familiar with it, which potentially could add value to your skill set. But certainly I would say uh, content writers are probably the hardest hit by the AI trend right now. That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. And companies still need people who can use this tool, who can manage the tool. Because even to write the right prompts, I, I tried with best practices, but I like to play myself, you know, to write yeah. the prompts. And even and, chat GPT, sorry to interrupt, but like their database yeah. is going on three years old. So a lot of it is, you know, you can't blindly trust it. You need to make sure you do have that expertise thrown in so you can say, well, this is not accurate. You know, there was a case here in the United States. I don't recall what state, but an attorney drafted up his whole, you know, motion with chat GPT. And it came out during the court hearing. The judge started asking questions that the document it produced referenced old cases, which didn't exist. And so that's kind of like, and I mean, imagine being in, a, this isn't just an article online, you're presenting this to a courtroom and getting called out on it. So that's pretty rough. So that it's definitely not at a point where it could completely replace people, which is good. Yeah. And uh, we got comment from David and he mentioned that people can lose jobs uh, in car manufacture, food warehouses. So yeah, I think all occupations can be impacted by AI and, mm -hmm. uh, I checked some data that uh, in five years, plus 25% will lose their jobs because of AI. But guys, it's, it's the best time today to start adapting, you know, to, to play with this tool. It's, if, if you have experience how to combine your experience with AI, then everything will be fine. You, you, uh, people need, companies need the skills when you mix AI with your own skills because I can't uh, get great results by using AI. I need to edit. I always edit. Uh, I can use different prompts, but in the end, I edit <laughs> results that I get. 
Taylor, I wanna ask about EEAT. Can you tell more how it's important today to consider this parameter because it's an indirect factor? But for me, you know, for example, if I wanna build muscles, uh, direct factor, I need to go to gym. Indirect, I need to eat healthy food. But according to sportsmen, uh, you can't build any muscles without eating healthy food uh, or resting. And even more results depend on that. So can you tell how it's important EEAT? And let's combine with AI because AI has noticed EEAT. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think the two most important things for SEO right now are user experience and EEAT. Um, and in that EEAT, which was formerly EAT, but they had an extra E, so it's experience, uh, expertise, authority, and trust. Essentially, I think that that has become a huge focus and one of the most important components. You know, last September 2022, they released the first helpful content update. And we've had several more since then, including a big one last month, a year later, September 2023. And all of that is focused on the quality of the content. And we touched on it, I believe, in a previous podcast, but it's different as well. Because unlike a core update or other algorithm update, it's a site-wide update. So if it determines, if Google determines there's a lot of content on your site that's not valuable, rather than... Uh, penalizing those pages, the whole site gets penalized as a whole. So to me, whenever anyone's talking about, like whenever I'm making a strategy of, okay, here's this website, they're at point A, we want to get to point B. It almost always revolves around the content and the quality of that content. Uh, you know, I completely lost my train of thought. It revolves around the quality of the content. And as mentioned, you know, Google is harping on this extensively. Uh, every one of those quality control updates is focused on that. And what it boils down to is anyone can regurgitate a statement or a fact. But, you know, going back to the lawyer uh, niche, we'll say, Google wants to see that firsthand experience, that genuine expertise. And my whole thought process behind it is I would rather have one incredibly thorough page than 10 kind of good, not great pages. Um, at the end of the day, one page I don't want to say it could break, but it can make your website. You know, there's a lot of people that write one blog. The topic wasn't thoroughly covered before. And now they're the leader on that topic. Uh, and so for me, my thought process has always been when you're writing a, like I mentioned before, look at everyone else who's ranking well for that. You know, whatever they're talking about, we want to talk about and ideally do it better. Uh, beyond that, I do a lot of topic and keyword research, like whatever we're writing on, what other questions are being asked about this? Can I include that on that page? With my goal being this one page is the ultimate authority on this topic. There's no reason if someone lands on it to go anywhere else, all the information's right here, um, which it can be very tedious. Obviously, as we mentioned, you know, having some of the lifting being done by AI is helpful, but at the end of the day, you need to have that firsthand specific knowledge to be an expert on that. And a lot of this really picked up, you know, SEO has changed quite a bit, even in the eight years I've been around and well before that. But I think a lot of this focus on the quality and experience component really came around during uh, the pandemic. And when we were all in lockdown and things like that, when Google made a huge effort to try and fight misinformation. You know, I recall very clearly 
someone, there was a Google search and it got brought to Google's attention, which quickly prompted them announcing an update for quality results. But essentially during the lockdown, early COVID, you could Google, I don't remember what the search term was, but in the top three results was an article that suggested drinking bleach. And I think that Google very much at that point, when that was brought to their attention, started putting an emphasis on, you know, not as much matching key, like, you know, we can rank number one because we have the keywords in there. I mean, that's still important, but more so the, the substance of the content itself. And a lot of that I think was fought to mis fight misinformation. But now we're at a point where, I mean, I don't know at the exact moment, but Google's index is billions, if not trillions of pages. So narrowing that down to what are the best ones has to at some point come down to what information are we conveying? Is it providing more value to the user than the others? And so I think that, you know, the content you could back in the day, you could really trick the search engine and there's still some black hat and tricks you can do now, but for long-term success, investing in, in, in that high quality content will only help build your authority, build your trust. You know, as you mentioned, if you have a really good article getting picked up by other places, getting organically, getting powerful or, or trusted backlinks pointing to your site, it's kind of a snowball effect. But to me, it all starts with uh, user experience. If your website is a terrible experience, your content's not going to be very digestible or enjoyable. And then once you know, you, like, you know, this is a nav navigable site, good user experience, how good is that content? Are we the experts? And if so, that's kind of, to me, top two priorities right now. Like when I mentioned on SEO project, getting from point A to point B. Nice, nice. Yeah, love it, love it. And uh, you mentioned that we need to create better content than we have in the top 10. But can you tell uh, what means better content? I mean, like, uh, uh, and how many times better? Because I usually don't touch topics if I can't create something much better. You know, I can create better, but uh, some brands have recognition, many other algorithms can impact the results. And I usually tell my clients, no, no, uh, let's search for content where you can create something much better, 10 times better, uh, because uh, uh, then you can give a strong reason to Google to rank your content. And we spend some time to search for topics with lack of quality content, outdated information. It, it takes time, but uh, it's better to uh, create the right content strategy and get results much faster. So tell your tips how, how you measure uh, the previous content estimation and uh, yeah, how you suggest to create something better. Yeah. So kind of like you said, an article can only be written so many different kinds of ways. So it's not always easy to improve upon things that are, you know, pretty thorough and complete. Uh, what I always, the phrase I always use with my writers is I, uh, we want to leave no stone unturned. Um, so essentially, a big part of that that I like to utilize is FAQ. And I used to be a huge fan of FAQ schema markup, had great success until Google said, uh, you know, we're not doing, we're not acknowledging that anymore. Um, how to schema markup, things like that are still pretty effective. But for me, I always heavily utilized FAQ. So for instance, if you take a topic, you know, I'm sure that when you search it, the top three, top five, top 10 results, they're gonna be kind of redundant. I mean, like I said, you can only say the same thing so many different ways. So I like to say, you know, okay, we have five competitors. 
are there, is there something where competitor one covers something competitor four does not and so on and so forth. And what can we compile to not necessarily make the art, the information better, but to make it more thorough. And then that's where I like to like, for me personally, whether it's Ahrefs or SEMrush, dig into like the topic research, dig into the keyword research and see around these topics, what other questions are being asked? Are there any that maybe were not covered here that we could build out an FAQ section for and kind of target those lower hanging fruit, those long tail phrases that not only are we now targeting kind of a, uh, a less competitive area in addition to the, the more competitive page, but we're able to add that value and just make the page as thorough as possible. But you could definitely reach like a plateau or almost point of diminishing returns. Where, like I said, you know, everyone's trying to write the same thing as good as possible. So for me, it's kind of combining the best elements, what everyone else is doing, and then trying to find areas they may have overlooked, even if they're not as heavily searched or as uh, big a priority, if it's relevant and people looking into this topic may benefit from knowing that, I'm gonna include it on there. Um, and then also just depending on what kind of content it is, I touched on it a moment ago, big fan of utilizing uh, whatever schema markup is appropriate for that article. You know, you always unhide my secrets <laughs> because I use okay. a lot of FUK. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I don't think so that secrets uh, exist because uh, if you hide something, uh, then you need to expect that others will share. And today, if you want to get results, you need to unhide faster than others. Uh, but uh, I love using FUK uh, um, and uh, I even generate this content with ChatGPT by using uh, various prompts. Uh, because uh, what I like in FUK, that means I can add more keywords now to the specific page. Uh, uh, keywords that you can submit to a logical structure uh, to logical chain but you can add them in fuk and and don't do it for the sake of adding these keywords you need to bring extra value to help users and what do you think it's a good idea to hide uh, answers because uh, you know uh, i saw many fuk when they hide answers and users need to click but um, I don't remember exactly where I read the study, but it's not a good idea to hide anything because Google robots can ignore any hidden information because users don't click to this information. So what do you think about that? It kind of depends. So if you're writing a page on, I don't know why I keep bringing up, we'll say root canals again. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's only, you know, five questions to address or something like that, that we pulled together, I might not even have an FAQ section and just have each question as its own like header three or whatever is appropriate and thoroughly answer it there. Uh, same, if it's let's say uh, a root canal page and we had 20 FAQ, I kind of might then do like an accordion where you click it and it drops down to the answer or something like that. Just for the user experience, I don't want them to be scrolling this wall of text looking for a specific question or having their eyes glaze over because it all looks the same. Um, but then as far as an FAQ page itself, uh, that's kind of case by case as well, but I'll typically have the answers visible on an FAQ page. Um, it really just depends what kind of content it is, who the audience is and what, how do I present all this information without compromising the user experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Uh, Taylor, I want to ask about your experience. I asked 
this question before, but I have new listeners and most of them are students. I have business owners yes. who want to get the basic. Uh, and uh, today we can touch more about AI. So uh, if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day in ACO. What will you do today to learn from scratch to crush rankings? Good question. Uh, someone just asked me that yesterday, I think. And I would really do the same thing I I did when I did start is, uh, you know, I'll give shout outs to my three favorites, uh, Search Engine Land, Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Roundtable, in no particular order. Uh, I checked those every day. And when I was first starting, that a lot of them had great guides, uh, like SEO 101, which it's not going to teach you everything, but at least get you familiar with the terminology, some of the history, you know, back in the day, we used to do this, and then Penguin came along, and this changed it to that. So, I mean, a lot of that stuff is out there very much for free to just kind of give you a general knowledge of SEO up to today. You know, what are we looking for today? The kind of state of SEO in 2023, we'll say. So those blogs are incredibly helpful. And then when I kind of wanted to, now that I have a solid foundation and I want to kind of know on a more micro level, what's Google changing today? What's going on today? Uh, Twitter was huge for me. I, I, I would follow, you know, Barry Schwartz, Glenn Gabe, Mindy Weinstein, all these different people that uh, I looked up to and had the experience that I was trying to gain in a short amount of time essentially and they are so on top of it they post case studies they you know every single day tweeting about the latest things that are happening so that was incredibly uh, helpful for me as well and then the thing that was most helpful was i just created a guinea pig you know at this time when i was learning seo i had an employer and i was learning it on their behalf and how to implement it for them uh, once i had success with that there was a lot of things i had been reading about and learning that maybe weren't relevant or applicable to that project, but I still wanted to like, you know, okay, I had a lot of support on this one project that went well, let's really test my knowledge. And I just created a guinea pig site and I kind of picked something local that was very, you know, unique and niche to that area and decided, okay, I'm gonna try and make a site about this with my goal being, I eventually wanna rank number one for these, this. And I just kind of built that out how I thought it just, you know, I kind of feel this is what the navigation should look like. Here's the information initially people are going to want. We can always add to that. But having that guinea pig to, you know, not necessarily with my main source of revenue or my employer's source of revenue kind of test out what I had been learning was very, 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 very helpful for me. Uh, not just for, you know, learning, but affirming what I thought I was learning and that it actually did work. So those are really the three things that if I was starting from scratch, I mean, back then I didn't have the ability to ask ChatGPT about SEO. So there's a lot more actual reading of articles and coming through it. But I mean, Search Engine Journal, uh, they have a tab on their website. I just sent someone to yesterday it's under more and they have a lot of just guides, which are, you know, and they go from, you know, here's a SEO 101 terminology guide to here's an in-depth guide about backlinks, like all you could want to know. So it really gives you the ability to kind of start at the top broad and silo into those more specific things. Um, but that's it. Like don't reinvent the wheel, take advantage of the lessons good or bad that those before us have done and taken time to write about. And uh, that, that, those are the three things to me, those blogs and guides uh, specifically from those three sites, the 
Twitter, just following the right people on Twitter, those uh, very active, engaged SEO folks, and then just trying to take a low risk side project and put my knowledge into work. And once I had that going, uh, I felt I felt good about my skills and, and just kept dialed in. Nice. Yeah, I love this mix. Great mix. And Taylor, my final question about one tip that you can give to our listeners uh, from all this valuable insights that you shared on this podcast. But uh, if you can do only one thing, what will you do? Focus on content and, and not backlinks. Uh, Google recently has really kind of, I don't want to say spoken poorly or anything, but they very much spoken about the decreased value of backlinks. You know, back in the day, you could have all these shell sites and backlinks ruled the world. Now, and I've felt this way for years, and I've always preached when it comes to backlinks, quality over quantity. Uh, you want good backlinks, not just like from trusted sites. So they're passing that trust to you. And in a lot of cases, that's not something you can just ask the company for. Or, you know, so to me, it goes hand in hand, where if you focus on content, that's where you're really going to get rewarded by what Google's emphasizing now, helpful content, experience expertise authority and trust and by doing that you will then if done right and it you know it's indexed it performs well backlinks take care of themselves you know if you write a great article and someone else is writing about it too and doing research they find you they cite to you or link back to you and that's kind of an all natural organic process versus you know guest posting or any other backlink acquisition tactic basically to me is like focus on content uh, that's where you'll be rewarded and the backlinks will come from that content if done right. I wouldn't necessarily focus on keyword stuffing, any of that, like content and qu just like backlinks, quality over quantity. If you are used to producing a beer company, a blog a week, maybe focus on one a month or two a month. Like we like, again, quality over quantity. Google's never going to reward you because you hit 200 pages in their index. No one cares about that. They're going to reward you because what the value you're providing the user. And so at the end of the day, that is essentially number one, uh, the most important thing. I mean, if your site's insecure and it's viruses and like that's all going to nullify the content, but assuming everything else, you know, healthy website, all this and that, we're ready to put effort in SEO, content, 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 quality yeah. content. Yeah, content is number one. And, um, I remember when Google beat AltaVista and Yahoo in 2000 because of uh, PR, because of this uh, backlinks, you know, algorithm. Uh, but uh, today Google has enough resources to recognize other factors. It's not like backlinks and content, many different factors. And like TikTok, TikTok can, uh, you don't need to promote any content on TikTok. You need to feel. Just film content, submit, and uh, uh, I don't know how, but TikTok can learn my mind. Um, uh, this social media always shares videos that I can't stop watching. I can watch like two hours on TikTok. You know? Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, and on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, you need to promote. On TikTok, you don't need accounts with zero followers get million views. So uh, just create high quality engagement content, and I think. Google can 
use something similar to TikTok uh, to have this algorithm to recognize high quality content that will provide value. Uh, Backlink still play future all, but it's not like many years ago, far away from that. So in the right. future, I don't know, like probably Google will like TikTok. <laughs> yeah, Taylor, it's a big pleasure to get on my show. I love this experience. Valuable. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. Thank Tell you. the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Sure, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Real Taylor Kurtz. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me Taylor Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. Uh, or you can shoot me an email, Taylor at CrushTheRankings.com. And uh, whether, you know, even if you're not looking to like hire, if you just have a question or someone suggested this to me, or what do you think of that? I'm really big on like teaching people the right way. You know, a lot of, a lot of, they're not just an SEO, but in all forms of digital marketing and all forms of business, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen. And uh, a lot of times clients are coming to you or people are reaching out after already getting burned or having the, uh, now starting to question the value of what they were paying for. And for me, like I'm really big on building that trust. So at the end of the day, you know, even if we don't, necessarily work together if you just have a question or anything like that happy to point you in the right direction and help however i can awesome so kind guys you need to follow taylor on twitter on linkedin because you can see a lot of value i follow i need to get more valuable insights and i recommend to anyone to do it as well okay guys thanks a lot and see you next time thanks for tuning in to unmiss enjoyed the show drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.